Good morning. Jesus loved telling stories and speaking in parables. And it was a common method of teaching in Jesus' day and still is. A parable, of course, is a simple story using everyday things that were around that everybody understood, but with a deep truth that comes from God. So today we look at uh, these two parables, brief in length, parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. In them is a message of hope and uh, encouragement for all of us. And I wish I had a better grip on those in years past in my life when I've been discouraged. Sometimes when I look at the Christian church and I think, oh my goodness, can't see a great future here in some situations. And if I'd had a grip on these two parables, it might have changed things. It would have, because there's always hope. There's always encouragement uh, about the Christian church if we really understand what's going on and we, we get a, a bit of a grip of what's going on from these two parables from Jesus. So first of all, let's have a look at the parable of the mustard seed. It's a very small seed. It's about one millimeter in diameter. And we're told in the story that the sower sowed a seed. Now, I don't know how he transported that seed without losing it. Uh, anyway, that was his problem. So the seed got planted, and the point is uh, that in parables, don't get hung up on the details, but rather uh, latch on to the main points. And the main point is it's very small and it grows into something pretty big. That's the point of it. So it starts small and uh, takes about 750 of those seeds to make a gram. So if you want a bag, you know, a kilogram in size, it's about 750,000 seeds. I don't know who counts them, but uh, anyway, that's the size of the seed. The point is, it's very small. Now, Jesus says the smallest of the seeds. We know there are seeds that are smaller than that, so don't get hung up on the detail. The detail is there that that was the smallest of seeds that were commonly used and planted in Jesus' day. So a small seed, something very tiny, almost invisible, it's so small. And if you haven't got your glasses on, you won't see it at all. So the mustard seed, it grows. And that's the point is it starts small. Now, when Jesus was starting these parables, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like God's kingdom is like this or that. And in um, Matthew chapter 13, there are seven of them, seven parables that tell what the kingdom is like. So the point is with this one, it starts small. We know that. It started with Jesus coming into the world and coming in as the king, but uh, didn't look like a king. He came as a babe in Bethlehem. And he started his ministry in an in, inconspicuous part of the world and 
he gathered around him a bunch of uneducated, unschooled fishermen and the like. And that was the start of God's kingdom. It was small. It was insignificant. Now, do we think it's strange that God would establish his church in that way, starting so small? God, after all, is the mighty one who made this world. God is the one who can do things. God is the one who parted the Red Sea and uh, the Jordan River and so on so that God's people Israel could be saved and so that they would have their stories to tell about how mighty God is, the Saviour. But Jesus tells the story of the mustard seed. It starts small. Well, it might seem strange, but there they were, the disciples of Jesus living in a, a country that was dominated by the power and might of the Roman Empire. And Jesus came along and called them to follow him. It's interesting that this is a common problem for God's people, is we don't understand this properly. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He said, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that not one of you may boast before him. I think most people looking at the start of the Christian church, that is Jesus and this, this bunch of people following him around and listening to him, wouldn't have given this fledgling church much of a chance of success. It seemed unimpressive at first, but it doesn't all come at once. And God does things for the long term. The seed contains great potential. And let's have this next picture, please, Pam. I had the pleasure of attending the air show at Avalon, Avalon just a few weeks ago. Can't wait till the next one in two years' time. And. There was a lot of things there that were interesting and you could get so close to a lot of the uh, aircraft that were on display and specialised ones. And There was one there that took my eye, this Honeywell test flight. It was uh, a commercial aircraft and it was flown by Qantas from Los Angeles to, uh, to Avalon. And the next slide shows us something interesting about the fuel. The future is jet fuel made from mustard seeds, if you please. So who would have counted them out to get enough mustard seeds to make enough fuel to fly from LA to Melbourne? That's um, just a digression. <laughs> so 
So the seed, very small in size, grows into a tree and uh, we're told that this tree is the largest of trees. Now, I say again, there are larger trees, but for all intents and purposes of Jesus' parable, it was a pretty large tree. They, a mature mustard tree would grow from three metres tall to six metres tall. So, pretty sizable. And the birds would shelter there and uh, so on. Interesting little sidelight there. The birds came to shelter. Why would that be there, do you think? A lot of commentators have had a crack at that over the years and come up with all sorts of different answers. And I think because of the time of life that we're in, in other words, um, awakening about conservation and um, um, God's creation and looking after it and so on. And I think it's just a nice thought that God provides even for the birds of the air. They've got a place for shelter and shade and uh, so on. And Jesus had something to say about that to the disciples on an earlier occasion. He said, look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So that's the mustard seed. It grows. God's church grows. It started small and <clears throat> now it's growing and growing and continuing. And sometimes in Australia where we've got a bit of decline in the church overall, there are some bright spots. But uh, there's decline. Someone said to me a number of years ago, can't see any future for the church. And I didn't have the right answer for him then, but I uh, wish you'd ask me again. And um, there's encouragement because God's church is growing. Look at some of the other places in the world. Africa, for example, the church is booming. There's new growth. There's all sorts of great things happening in other places in the world. God is doing a work. The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed. It starts small, it grows into something pretty large. So the second thing we look at is the yeast. And these two parables, by the way, are, are a pair of parables and Jesus meant them to be so. They're meant to go together. We're meant not to separate them. But look, when you look at one, look at the two of them. My wife made some bread last night, and I was very fascinated by it. Um, I knew sort of what happened, but I took a lot of interest because we're looking at yeast today. And the dough gets mixed and uh, ready, and the yeast is prepared also and ready to mix with it. So Jesus teaches us something surprising about growth and his kingdom. When the yeast goes into that dough mix, you can't see it at first. It looks the same. There's no change. But then if you keep watching for a while, and it takes quite a long while, it, it starts to grow and grow and grow and give it the right conditions of 
temperature and humidity and a few other things, it keeps growing and it produces a loaf of bread that tasted very nice. And it looked good. And she cut a slice off the end of it when it was half cool and she said, look at that. And it was great. And some of you know what I'm talking about and others have got no idea. But Jesus used this illustration of a common ingredient, yeast. And when they made a batch of bread, did it say 60 pounds or something? Uh, what, about 25 kilos? That's a lot of flour, a big lot of flour. And it would make enough bread to feed about 100 people or a family plus servants for quite some time. Um, they seem to make it up in big batches. I don't know why, but that's what they did. So the yeast was important because it, it gave rising to the bread. And Jesus teaches us something about the growth of the kingdom. It's hidden at first, and you don't even know it's there unless you have seen it happen or something. Um, but it grows and it grows and it grows. I think if those early disciples looked down from heaven, which they do, and they saw the Christian church of today throughout the world, they would scratch their heads and say, what have we done? Because there was only a bunch of them and they didn't know what they were doing at the start and Jesus told them a few things of what to do and they, they were slow learners and they started to spread this message throughout the world and it grew, this church, it grew and grew and grew and is still growing and will continue to grow. That's the point of the parable. The yeast keeps doing its work. It's, it spreads um, throughout the whole lot of the mixture. It doesn't stop until the job is done. So God's kingdom will spread throughout all the world as the yeast worked through all of the dough. You know, Jesus taught the disciples and us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So this church is to grow, this kingdom is to grow throughout the, all the earth. I love the words of Habakkuk the prophet um, and I used to know this as, as a hymn that we would sing as in youth group and so on and in church for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea I love that as the waters cover the sea so the kingdom of God will grow throughout all the earth do we have trouble believing that, that God's kingdom will grow throughout all the earth? I have at times. Maybe you do too. But it helps <clears throat> if you know the end result when there's a contest going on. Some years ago, 
I happened to be in New Zealand, which is, I have associations there. And um, I was staying with my family and there happened to be a rugby match, which is also called football, by the way. And uh, it was between Australia and New Zealand, the Bledisloe Cup was being contested. And I thought, oh, they're all avid All Black supporters. I'll stir the pot a little here and I'll be an Australian. I'll... And I happened to have a gold top, which was my work top. So I... here was somebody with a gold top amongst a bunch of avid All Black supporters um, watching a rugby match. And Australia was getting belted a bit. And, uh, oh well, it happens. And at half time, I thought, oh, I'll phone, phone home. I haven't done that for a few days. So I phoned home and uh, I asked my wife, are you watching the football? And she said, oh, it's finished. It was a delayed telecast in New Zealand. And I said, what happened? She said, Australia won. I thought, wow. So I didn't say that I had that information. We kept on watching the match. But it makes a difference, I can tell you, if you know the end result while the contest is on. And with God's church, we know the end result. God has promised that his kingdom will grow. It will not fail, that Christ will come back and there is a completion time for all of this. So I say again, it's good to know the end result. And we do know the end result because God has told us in his word that he will build his church and his kingdom will have no end and so on. Not everybody understood the prophecy that came from the Old Testament. You know, when Jesus spoke in parables, he spoke these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them that was at that time uh, without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So right from the beginning, this information was there, but people didn't know it yet. So if we do know it now, we're very privileged people. So let me encourage you that God king, God's kingdom, though it starts small, it grows slowly, but it grows and it grows and it grows. And eventually the fullness of that kingdom will be seen and known when Christ returns because justice from God will be dispensed. We're told at times um, you don't have to get your own back on somebody who's damaged you or hurt you or harmed you or slandered you or whatever it is. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. So there's going to be a lot of judge, uh, justice and judgment sorted out when Jesus comes back. And it's going to happen. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because these parables about the kingdom of God 
are there for our encouragement. Work and pray and his kingdom will come. Amen.